Work, wealth, wisdom. This is DC Entrepreneur. We're sharing stories, ideas, and lessons from startups and businesses in the pursuit of innovation. And we're helping build a community of problem solvers and thought leaders in the Washington area. Now, here's your host, George Mocharco. This is George Macharco, host of DC Entrepreneur here on WERA 96.7 FM. I'm in the studio today with Diana Dorsey. Diana is the creative director of Dorsey Design and the woman behind District of Clothing. Welcome today. Thank you. Hello. How are you? Thanks for having me. So let's talk about your background as a fashion designer. So now you, you studied at Villanova, and then you also studied abroad in Milan, Italy. Can you talk to me about your studies as a fashion designer and how you ended up on that path? Absolutely. So I can vividly remember being a junior at Villanova University, which is just outside of Philadelphia. And um, I was it was like a Saturday afternoon. CNN style was on. I was sitting up on my bed, supposed to be studying for uh, the LSAT. And I was just frustrated, kind of flipping through the channels. I I fumble along um, and find CNN style. And they were talking about the top 10 designers of the last 100 years. Mm-hmm. And um, I knew every single designer. I knew everything about each designer. And um, once the show went off, I just burst into tears, like, you know, staring at my LSAT book. Um and I realized that this wasn't what I wanted to do. I don't want wow. to be an attorney. I don't, okay. you know, I love fashion. Uh-huh. I love what fashion can do for people, especially for women. I love um, how fashion has helped people along the way in the last 200, 300 years here, even just in the United States. And um, at that moment, I said, I can't, I can't go to law school. Fast forward to my senior year, um, and he's fine now, but my dad had a massive heart attack in front of me. Oh, my gosh. He had a seven-part bypass, and that evening when I left the hospital, like the initial day, I came home and I just said, I don't want to be one of those women, 50-year-old women on Oprah saying, I wish I would have when I could have. And I saw what um, a life full of stress could do vividly you know I I was actually seeing it in front of me and I went home and I started my first business plan and that was for um my my first clothing line Deanna Marie and um in the first year of that's existence I did fairly well just sort of tapping into my network here in Washington DC and friends and knowing that you know there's this whole community of of people in DC who go to all these galas and these events and they frequently are showing up wearing the same outfits or the same gowns. And so I started sketching, or my version of sketching, because I wasn't talented at this point in in terms of sketching. I was traveling back and forth between D.C. and and Italy, and I would go to Italy and purchase remnants, like smile and talk and ask lots of questions. And these factories were giving me remnants from Xenia and Mm -hmm. Ralph and you name it, Fendi. Um, And then I came back to the United States had some assistance with putting together some of these designs that I had sketched out and I was selling them and it it went well initially so I said okay um, I'm actually really good at this I need to sort of like figure out what I'm you know how I can actually make a living doing this because I can't go to law school that was my Mm -hmm. whole thing I can't go to law school I can't go to law school and so um, one day I happened to be in 
in Milan in the Duomo. And I got lost, which is very common for me because I just like to sort of wander around. I got incredibly lost. And when I looked up at one point, I saw Istituto Marangoni. And I went upstairs and said it was a design school. I asked some more questions, got the application. I came home to, to D.C., filled out the application. I was approved and accepted. And um, three months later, I think, or two and a half months later, I moved to Italy and went to design school. And how long were you there? That was a a, a very fast program. So mm-hmm. it was like three years pushed into one. Okay, it was so like an intensive. Incredibly mm-hmm. intense. Um almost didn't make it through, <laughs> but but I did. It's a very intense program. And so now, did that lead you to working for some of the fashion houses afterwards? So that led me to, I graduated, mm-hmm. and I always thought that I was going to stay in Italy. I never, mm-hmm. I thought that I was going to stay in Italy or definitely in Europe. I never imagined coming back to the, to the United States. Um, I had a family emergency that sort of brought me back home and made me realize I could not stay away for that long. Um, it took me a full 24 hours to get back to my family, which was just a bit too much yeah. um, at the time. And I moved to New York City, got a job there um, first as a quote, air quotes, design intern, which was a horrific experience, a wonderfully horrific experience. Was it like the um, Devil Wears Prada kind time, of experience? Times three. Times three, really? Okay. <laughs> At least she was getting paid, yeah. right? Um, it was, I, I mean, I would frequently turn around and say, okay, where are the cameras? Like, there yeah. has to be somebody recording this. This has to be on TV because this, this can't be life. But I learned a lot. It really taught me how to hustle. It taught me the ins and outs of the industry in New York at that time. And I got to meet a lot of people. So mm-hmm. it was a it was a wonderful experience. I wouldn't dare change anything that, that occurred. But it was um I think it's also part of the game. Like you, you have to go through a really bad fashion experience in order to be a a decent designer. <laughs> That's interesting. Wow, okay. So uh I guess there's something good that comes from that. Absolutely. I know this might sound like a rather broad question, but what does fashion mean to you? Mm. I think one of the best things about fashion is that you can start over every day and you can change how like you can just change how you want. So today I was feeling frilly and girly and I have on a a flowery printed dress. Like. It's springtime in DC right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'm wearing my version of the uh the cherry blossoms? Cherry blossoms, yeah. right. Um, but then, you know, I have an event later on this evening. I'm probably going to put on some sneakers, a T-shirt, and a, and a pair of jeans with some holes in them. So I just – I love that fashion can help you just um, push forward with how you're feeling and then also help you push forward with how you're feeling, if that makes sense. So if I wasn't mm-hmm. feeling too well and I wanted to feel better, I could wear a bright color that would make me feel better or I could wear a warm sweater that's going to make me feel cozy. I just – I think that fashion helps us move forward as a people. And that sounds like it can be really deep. But mm-hmm. if you really think about your favorite clothes and how they make you feel every day, it's um, it's a wonderful experience. And then at the same time, when you think about um, the past with how um, apparel has helped black people or people of color sort of move forward throughout society, it's... Um, fashion is an important part of our American, like the fabric of our American history without getting too deep. Yeah. yeah. So it's interesting to me that fashion can mean many different things to people. It can be comfortable for some people. Some people will take fashion as a way that they can express themselves. Mm-hmm. And um, some people, you know, dress up at every chance they can. Some people dress down. Why do you think fashion represents so much of who we are and who we try to represent who we are to others? 
That's a great question, George. I, if you think about like where we are in 2017, it's such a really challenging time um, in our country and just in the world abroad. And sometimes we don't always know exactly how we're feeling or we're not necessarily able to, to get it out in words. Um, but you can put on something to sort of show how you're feeling. You could put on something to either mask it or you could put on something to show it. So a lot of our T-shirts are very simple T-shirts that just have um, positive messages on Mm -hmm. them. You know, some of them say dreamer. Some of them say dreamer doer. Some of them have, you know, change maker making change. And so I may not necessarily have the words to say how I'm feeling, but I could always put something on that sort of pushes that out to the universe, too. Let's talk about that one. So there's a shirt that you have that says dreamer, doer, Mm -hmm. and then dreamer scratch through. Mm -hmm. So it just says doer. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about how that fits into doing things, being a creator, being a maker and being an entrepreneur. Yeah, I was just incredibly inspired by all the people around me, um, my family, my friends, and definitely other entrepreneurs here in Washington, D.C. You'd have a conversation with someone you know, similar to you. So you approached me at the Carnegie Library at the WDC kickoff, and you said that you have this radio show, and you said that you wanted to talk to me about a couple of things with regard to entrepreneurship. Nine times out of 10, someone just sort of says that, and you don't ever hear anything back from them. I heard from you within, it was less than 24 hours when I heard back from you, and then we had a date, and then, you know, and here we are today. Um, That's, that's, very common for Washington, D.C., but it's Mm -hmm. not necessarily common for other communities. Yeah. And so I love the idea. I I consider myself a full-time dreamer, but I also consider myself a full-time doer. Mm -hmm. And so with the dreamer doer shirt, um, the dreamer is sort of crossed out to enforce the fact that, hey, I'm doing things. Um, You should be doing things, too. And that's what we really just want to encourage people to go beyond your dreams and to do them um, because I'm a firm believer that our dreams aren't just for us. They're, they're really for everyone else, too. That's a great message. I mean, it's simple, but it's it's effective. Thank you. So when you say D.C. is the district of doers, so what distinguishes the people that come here? I mean, we, we tend to think of these people as always type A, outgoing folks. But, I mean, I, I know a lot of very talented folks that are not necessarily extroverts, mm-hmm. uh, but are still doing amazing things. Mm-hmm. There's something else, though. What, what distinguishes folks that relocate to D.C. or or have lived here for a long time from other cities? I think it's the proximity to power, which is really um, something that we can discuss. It's it's a it's almost like an electric charge that, you know, you you just you get in the um, you sort of like get in the circuit of things and you Mm -hmm. just keep running. Like, you know, it's, it's almost like the mouse on that wheel. Like you just keep going, keep going, keep going. And even if you're not necessarily a doer, um, you're definitely dreaming or or you're aware of things and you're just exposed to things that are well beyond your initial community. And so when you're here, you're constantly having conversations with people who don't look like you. You're constantly having conversations with people from different areas because it's such a transient city. Mm -hmm. You're constantly having conversations with people who just have been to every corner of, of the world and are telling you about these unique experiences and that just it's so um it's just a really cool place to be um it's really interesting because dc took it took a while for me to get comfortable here Mm -hmm. having lived in uh, the suburbs of philadelphia um and then living in 
I came home for a couple of for a couple of months, and then I moved to Milan, and then I moved to New York. So coming back to DC, I, I, it felt like it was really very slow for me initially. Returning um, to DC. Returning to DC. Mm-hmm. It took a while actually to get back into the swing of things here, um, and I just had to appreciate Washington DC for what Washington DC is. And so now it's just really unique. You know, we have a woman mayor who's doing amazing things for women and for people of color and for women of color and for entrepreneurs here. And we have this creative um, and maker economy that's like really bustling and, and hustling and just like helping people reimagine their dreams and, and bringing like um, just a different sort of color to even like the murals that we're seeing on the streets. It's just, it's a, um, I don't know. It's I, it's kind of like electric. I it's, think it's a good time to be in DC. It's a I good think. time to be here I, for a lot of people. I mean, I, I I we were talking about this before we started taping. There's obviously been a lot of gentrification with businesses coming in, restaurants mm-hmm. making this kind of like a restaurant corridor. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- there's a fundamental thing about DC. It, it always is kind of shifting and changing because of the nature of uh, the main industry, w- which is here, which is government. And um, I just think it's interesting that at this particular time, D.C. seems to be undergoing kind of a renaissance in ways, at least with the businesses that are popping up. So talk to me about how the current administration, the new mayor, Muriel Bowser, is is helping with this. And let's talk about 202 Create, what 202 Creates does and how this initiative is helping uh, different creative people in the creative class here in, in the District of Columbia. I can sort of speak to it from a very personal perspective. Um the 202 Creates campaign has just been like a spotlight on a variety of different creative entrepreneurs here in Washington, D.C. And it's I shouldn't say um, entrepreneurs. I think it's it, it's sort of goes beyond that. Mm-hmm. Some it depends on where you are on your journey. Right. So not everyone has necessarily made it to being an entrepreneur. Some people want to continue just being an artist. Some people want to be an a creative entrepreneur. Some people just want to be an entrepreneur. They're trying to leave, you know, the creative, um, the the creative field and move more into the business side of things. But in general, two hundred two creates has just been highlighting and and shining a, a wonderfully like magnificent spotlight on a variety of of creatives and makers here in in DC. And it's been, um, it's just been really awesome. Whether they're having different events where they're highlighting whomever's having that event or the people who are coming to the event they have different tv shows it's just been um it's 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 just a really that doesn't happen in other places i can't speak for everyone but i can probably speak for most of us and say that we're just really grateful that our city is supporting us here in that way they um tapped me back in september i believe it was september 2016 to um, design T-shirts mm-hmm. for the entire campaign, and we're still we're still doing that. So the fact that you know the uh, OC OCTFME reached out and the mayor's office reached out to little old me to help design T-shirts that you know we are constantly seeing people wearing and they're posting and they're um, tagging us. It's just it's a really good feeling when your city holds you down in that way. That's the district's office of cable, TV, film, music, yes. and entertainment. For those who are wondering yes, what the acronym you. was there, um, so how has being part of that initiative helped you forge connections in what you're doing? You know, it's um, I'm I'm sort of shy until I'm not. I think that comes from my background in fashion. Um, so I'm just now starting to tell people that I'm the woman behind District of Clothing, um, and a lot of people don't 
may not necessarily know District of Clothing as a brand, mm-hmm. but they know Dreamer Doer, or they know the DC Dreamer Doer, or they know the DC Doer, or they know the property shirts. And so seeing, you know, having conversations with new people or strangers or just randomly hearing people talk about my shirts in conversation has been, uh, it's, it's it, I, you know, I don't have the words to really describe how cool it is, but the, the fact that the sh- the mayor put one of our top selling shirts on the back of the t-shirt that also dons the 202 creates logo it's just been um the brand has just grown tremendously from those shirts as well and so um having conversations with people and hearing them say oh you know i love this this the the property brand or I love mm-hmm. the the DC doer brand or I love the DC Do- dreamer doer t-shirts and they're just sort of talking about how you know they got a free t-shirt from the mayor it, and then they find out that it's mine you know it's just been it's been really cool it's, that's great yeah it's been cool it sounds like a wonderful positive success story here for sure uh, how do you differentiate having two different companies uh, District of Clothing, and of course, Deanna Dorsey Design. Those are two separate brands. Of course, you as a personal brand. How do you how do you manage both of these things as a creative director? Um, I'm still learning. Every day I'm going back to school to learn. Um, I think the one thing that I'm really learning right now is how to unbalance. I think for so long, you know, people are constantly telling you, you need to balance this, you need to balance that. I'm, I've been learning that I need to unbalance things. Um, I initially started District of Clothing to be a passive income for Deanna Dorsey Designs for, you know, as an entrepreneur, it's been seven years with Deanna Dorsey Design. There are many highs, but there's also several lows. And I just needed something to just sort of cover all of my bases. And um, I thought that I could create this platform through District of Clothing and that I would just be able to do like a couple of things here mm-hmm. and there once a week or once a month or something um, and be okay. And District of Clothing is now oftentimes like more lucrative than my creative design business. Um, So learning how to manage the two of them has been sort of an unlearning process Okay. um, so that I can really sort of focus on the things that each business needs at that time. Um, Initially, I was, you know, doing Deanna Dorsey design Monday through Friday or Monday through Saturday and sort of focusing on district of clothing for like an hour or two on a Saturday night or maybe on a Sunday. And now, um, and then for a while I was like, okay, things are changing. I had to give district of clothing maybe an hour a day. And now, I mean, there are times when I could be working solely on district of clothing Mm -hmm. for a full day out of the week. And that's fine because I've, I've managed it so that Deanna Dorsey design and its clients are, you know, they're successfully, all of their objectives objectives are successfully met. Um, but it's just been a whirlwind learning how to sort of make that pivot so mm-hmm. that we could keep progressing and, you know, getting nice checks in. So uh, would, would you say that uh, starting District of Clothing was kind of like a side hustle Absolutely. for you? Yeah. Absolutely. But it's, I mean, I, I'm now operating two businesses, like almost two equal businesses. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so let's talk to me about um, the design company. Talk to me about who some of your clients are and, and what kind of work you've done. Uh, right now, um, I'd love to talk to you about uh, the Congressional Black Caucus Institute and perhaps, let's say, Friends of the American University of Afghanistan. So okay. we typically work with organizations that are doing good somehow and either in local communities or just in the world in general. 
we in the past I've worked with uh, Faith and Politics, and so Faith and Politics Institute they uh, provide, create, and provide these congressional pilgrimages every year. Um, two years ago was the 2015. Yes, was the 50th anniversary of uh, Bloody Sunday, the, the March to Selma, and so um, I was the creative director for all of the collateral for that. It was it's still hard to sort of put into words like how how much being a part of that project really meant to me mm-hmm. um but just being down there being able to walk over the Edmund Pettus bridge having a black president seeing George Bush up there with Mrs. Bush and and first lady Michelle Obama and um it was just a I was sort of pinching myself the entire time it was just a really unique and awesome experience um, and we've also I've also worked with them on another pilgrimage last year. We took down several members of Congress to uh, to South Carolina and we sort of walked through the civil rights movement in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And we ended um, with paying our respects and homage to the fallen at uh, the the uh, Mother Emanuel Church. So, it was, you know, it's it's a. It's very meaningful work, which mm-hmm. I love, um, and it, it means something, and hopefully it's changing lives and impacting people to um, to really sort of look beyond themselves and to learn more about the uh, experiences of other people. Um, now I'm working with the Congressional Black Caucus Institute, and we're working on several different events, um, large policy conferences that help teach people how to learn to run and to fundraise so that they can become hopefully members of Congress. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm also working with uh, one of my favorite clients. I've been working with them for several years now, Friends of the American University of Afghanistan. And so we help raise money and awareness for the American University of Afghanistan so we can get more students. Unfortunately, last August, there was a horrific attack there. Several people, um, several Several people perished and um, we're sort of just getting back into the swing of things and students got back to school, I think, in the last couple of weeks. Um, So we have a large fundraiser coming up. We have two large fundraisers coming up and I do all of the design and collateral for them as well. It's, um, It's really exciting being able to work with clients who are doing things that really change people's lives. It's um. It's it's an awesome experience to be able to be a part of that. I'm very blessed. Yeah, it sounds like you have some fantastic clients I do. And, and some interesting stories to go along with it mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. So let's just shift to talking about you as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. So first off, what kind of advice or you know lessons learned would you give to other entrepreneurs that are just starting out right now? <sighs> My first thing would be to uh, read as much as you can about everything that you can um, and continue reading. My second line of advice would be to just properly think out, you know, not just your first six months or your first year, but really sort of um, visualize your plans and your dreams and your goals and your objectives for, for as if you can do four years, great. If you can do six to seven years, it's even better. Um, and I would say to continue networking and talking with people and to actually share people, share with people what your plans and your goals are so that other people can help you get those things done. Um, I think that's also a great way to sort of like build accountability between hopefully there are also other entrepreneurs, but even if they're not other entrepreneurs, just, you know, it, being an entrepreneur is a very lonely life. 
And so the more you're communicating with other people and the more you're sharing with other people and telling people what you're doing or what your your struggles are, um, it'll really sort of help you get through the process. Oh, that's great. Great feedback to hear. I, I hear so many interesting things about people that have started their own businesses. And the thing that always makes me wonder why they're an entrepreneur is why did they decide to do something that I think is the difficult route, to do something challenging, to start your own thing versus follow along with something that somebody else has started at one point, right? What what, what drives entrepreneurs in that sense? I can't speak for everyone. I actually just had this conversation yesterday. Mm-hmm. I um, am a firm believer that entrepreneurship is a calling. So okay. I totally agree with you. It's the harder route. Um you know, I, even when I have like my toughest days, one of which was even yesterday, I was just like, oh, my God, I'm just I'm going to go get a job. Like, it's, you know, <laughs> it's just like the easier thing to do. Um, I do. I, I believe that entrepreneurship is a calling. I don't think it is for everyone. I think that if you feel strongly about it, you should give it a shot. And it, just because you try something doesn't mean you have to stick with it. Um, but at least you gave it a shot. So if you feel like it's for you, fine, Tr- you know, try it. Um, you will very quickly realize whether it is or is not. Um, I I come from a family of entrepreneurs. So on my dad's side, you know, pretty much everyone, starting with my grandmother and my grandfather, were entrepreneurs. And it was just sort of, it was just what I've always seen. And it just made sense. And um, it's just what they do. And so it's just sort of what I'm doing right now. But that's not to say that I'm always going to be an entrepreneur. We'll see. I, you know, I honestly, I don't know. Any last thoughts that you'd like to leave our listeners? Um, I I think, you know, the there's a lot happening in the world today. Mm-hmm. And um, if you have an idea or if you have a thought, um, like don't be afraid to share it. Don't be afraid to go after it. I think, you know, we need each other. We need each other's thoughts. We need each other's dreams. And we need each other to act on them. And we need each other to encourage our, our, each other to act on them. So my I would like to just leave everyone with, you know, go beyond your dreams and and do them, you know, because literally we need you, you know, there's a lot happening in the world. And um, if we would get off of our hands and sort of make things happen, we could really make things happen. So listeners, keep following the dream. Thanks so much for stopping by, Deanna. Thank you for having me, George. This was great. I had a lot of fun. We'll see you next time on DC Entrepreneur. Bye. I know. Subscribe to this podcast via iTunes and connect with us on our blog. If you have any tips or ideas for stories, please tweet at us or message us on Facebook. Please tune in to our next episode. And thanks for listening.